0: Congrats! My name is Zaki Hassan, and joining me once again is my co-host Pravez Ahmed.
1: Hey, welcome back, listeners! Good to have you guys back. We're pretty excited uh, about our guest. Uh, we've actually been in talks for quite some time. The to, uh, negotiations have been
0: have been <laughs> ongoing.
1: That's right? right. That's right. So, uh, and a little bit of cross-pollination, as we'll see uh, when we read when we read uh, who who the guest is and. He'll talk about some of his ventures.
0: All right, well, and, and joining us for this episode is Baraka Blue. He's a poet, musician, author, teacher, and MC. He's highly decorated within the global artist community for his original synthesis of hip-hop and spoken word poetry with the tradition of mystical poets such as Rumi and Hafez. He has released multiple studio albums and two published collections of poetry. He's founding director of Rumi Center for Spirituality and the Arts. And for his research on Sufi thought, Barakablu Blue was awarded a master's degree in Islamic studies from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley. His current research and teaching focuses are Sufi poetry, Sufi psychology, Islam in the West, and Islamic art. As a teaching artist, he has performed and taught all over the world, including at such institutions as Princeton and the School of Oriental and African Studies. Barka Blue, thank you for joining us on and Congruence.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So, this is, you know, your, your, your work precedes you. Uh, Mashal, you've built up quite a a reputation for your work in this particular field. So I guess before we even talk about your artistic endeavors, uh, I want to hear about your Islamic endeavors and how those came about.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a great honor. You guys are like the original podcasters. (laughs) Before I even knew what a podcast was, you guys had a podcast. Wow. And so now that I've been diving into the podcast world, I see you guys as my... You guys are like the Salaf. You guys are the predecessors. Predeces. So, uh, would that make you a Salafi then? <laughs> I am, I am, I am. Right. And uh, but yeah, forty-eight. You guys are as mm. So, yeah, my journey into Islam was an interesting one. Um, Amir Suleiman, my friend, he has a Harvard fellowship, and he called it between Rakhim and Rumi. Mm. Um. So, very musical city You know, Jimi Hendrix, Nirvana Pearl Jam, Quincy Jones All that But by the time I came on the c- Growing up, yeah. it was all hip-hop, right? Urban right. America was all hip-hop So, I was very much formed by hip-hop And the kind of local scene Was really beautiful In that it was a lot of consciousness It was a lot of telling the stories of marginalized peoples, peoples who, you know, basically like Freestyle Fellowship had an album called Inner City Griots. Mm. And like, that's what I think about that, that kind of like real hip hop, They're inner city griots and griots or the bards in Europe, you know, traditional societies, the poets or the storytellers, they're the memory, the living memory. That's right. And they pass on the tradition and they, you know, have... Carry on a collective consciousness. Who are we as a people? What are the stories? What do we value? What is worth sharing and worth saving? And so hip hop had that. And so I kind of grew up in that. And it exposed me to Right previous, previously enslaved and colonized people and how they preserve their stories and how they preserve their traditions. And that was really f- formational for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the Rakim piece hmm. of it and because hip-hop I know you guys know a lot of people outside of the hip-hop community uh don't necessarily know so much how like central Islam, Islam has been Israel. as a thread throughout hip-hop from the very beginning as far as like you know the five percenters especially as this kind of offshoot of the nation of Islam and like, the foundational language and and, and terminology and just worldview of hip-hop being formed by that so and then of course also Sunni Muslims um figuring into that. So that's that piece. But then at the same time, you know, it was like multicultural urban, very right, left coast, yep. very left very like the Bay Area, Seattle is, right? Of yeah. course. Super leftist mm-hmm. politics, mm-hmm. counterculture, very, you know, into Eastern spirituality. And looking back now, I see that Um, my parents' generation and the parents of all my friends growing up, very, you know, urban, multicultural, liberal environment, Mm -hmm. they, a lot of them, had turned east for spirituality. A lot of them had, you know, so, you know, become Buddhists or traveled the world or went to India seeking a guru, that whole kind of movement. Mm -hmm. And so it was just as easy to find books by the Dalai Lama or Rumi in the houses that I was growing up in as it is to find the Bible. Mm. You know what I mean, right. and so that's where Rumi comes in. So, um, you know, I was exposed to at the about the same time as I read auto, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, which I read because all my heroes, the rappers, he was their hero. That's right. So I wanted to know who he was. At the same time, you know, my best friend's father, who was like an old school beat poet. um and he was like, "That's cool, you guys are into hip hop and you're making that." But he he was like, "Let me expose you to some of this." So he turned us on to Rumi and stuff like that because mm-hmm. he was he was really into Rumi and he was in you know jazz and all that whole that whole thing. So mm-hmm. looking, I didn't even understand at the time, but there's these two kind of currents, mm-hmm. right? That the the kind of like that black Muslim current and then the kind of more more like white. Um, turning east for spirituality, that counterculture, leftist politics. And Sufism is a big portion of that. I mean, it's more dominant, like, that people would, you know, get into, like, Indian spirituality, yoga, and gurus, and Vedanta, and then Buddhism, obviously, was central. But Sufism was a big part of that, too. And so that was kind of part of that whole milieu. And so the metaphysical bookstore down the street had a big Sufism section and all that stuff. So I was reading about Sufism you know, Pyrrhanai Khan and stuff like Mm -hmm. that when I was young and a teenager. Um, And so looking back now, I can say that I was reading about Buddhism. I was interested in all that, but what I liked about Islam is it had the edge of like a Malcolm. It had the social justice emphasis, emphasis standing up for the rights of the poor and oppressed and the downtrodden. But it had the deep spiritual universe as well. Mm-hmm. And I needed something that had a, a little bit of edge, you know, just from the way that I grew up. That's right. But that also I needed something that was spiritually enriching. And so to see that the breadth that Islam has, you know, a Malcolm and a Rumi, this is the same tradition. I said, okay, this is for me. You mm-hmm. know?
1: So did you, uh, did you grow up in a... I mean, I think you maybe already have sort of answered it, but you, you didn't grow up really connected to a church say no or church attendance no not at all the The only
2: time I went to church was when I would spend the night on Saturday night at my one of my best friend David Fulkin's house because his family went to church Mm. so then you know for a period there I would go because there was this girl uh, that I liked and she would go to church so I was like I'm coming with you (laughs) but um, so now I know but I didn't know before that my father he grew up Catholic my mother grew up Protestant, okay. and so my father went to Catholic school growing up, mm-hmm. and he had a really negative experience. The hmm. nuns were super harsh and beating the kids, and it was very like dogmatic. Our way is the only way, the true way, right? right? I know no Islamic schools are like that. Right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But we now, can't relate. You know what you are talking about. So that was his experience, yeah. and so. He never said anything negative about religion to me, but my mom told me later, you know, a few years ago, that he actually told her. He said, "I don't want them being exposed uh, to religion. I want them to make their own decision as they grow up." Because my mom's Protestant, you know, upbringing was very loose, like Easter and Christmas, and she had positive. She said, "Oh, look, I want to take them for the holidays," and my dad was like, he was opposed to that, Mm. you know, which is interesting. But he never said anything negative about religion or the church to us, which he didn't color it like, oh, it's a yeah. bunch. You know, so right. I'm actually very grateful. That's right. Because I, I think a lot of people carry a lot of baggage from their upbringing. In fact, I was at a retreat uh, with Kabir Helminski recently, and there was a woman who grew up Christian, I think Catholic, and she became Muslim through Sufism. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, um, we were raised like hardcore Catholic. And I had so many bad experiences that I just needed a clean break. And mm. Islam was a tradition that I didn't have all that baggage with. Right. You know, I know other people may have had like that, yeah. that upbringing, but I didn't. So I was able to approach it with a clean slate. Right. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, I basically, when I came of age as like a teenager, I approached religion like a buffet. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, I like yoga. I like me- meditation. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, some of these, like, uh, indigenous shamanic traditions because I like psychedelics and I like smoking herb. And that's kind of part of that. So, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll weave that in. Yeah. And I'm really into, like, ancient Egyptian. That's really cool. So, you know, I yeah. was just totally... Yeah. Um, and that was okay for a while. But there came a point where I realized that it was kind of my Neff's choosing What it chose, and so that my nafs wasn't being transformed by it because the nafs resist transformation. So I actually needed something from beyond me to submit to. (laughs) I realized that when I was 20 years old, and it was because I started, I had made a series of not so spiritual and wise decisions, and I I got myself in a little bit of trouble. And so then I was like, Whoa, you know, for the first time in my life, I was not. Not only not not arrogant, but I was not even proud of of who I was. I Mm -hmm. made some decisions that, you know, my kind of ego was shattered for a second there. And it was the most important, I think, experience because I was able to, like, be sincere and say, okay, um," because this is the thing. From my reading of different traditions, I came to this position where I was like, there is one source, creator, God, you know, infinite names, the infinitely named one and there's across time and space individuals you know the the enlightened one the sages the saints the prophets the avatars those who realize the full potential of hum- humanity who drew near to that that source and there's you know so i looked at religion kind of like they're all essentially the same and right. there's beautiful there's beauty in them but basically when, when i was 20 and i came to this point i was like okay i, I said a prayer like really like i don't see a way i made a few very bad decisions and i don't see a way out of this like mm. this is going to alter my life in ways that i really don't want to have happen and so then i prayed my first like really sincere prayer like a the man on a drowning ship mm. like all right there's no way i can turn anymore mm. so now i'm like really just praying and i was like you know I was like, I've always believed, I said to, to Allah, to God, I've always believed in you, I've known that, that you are true, and I've taken some steps on the right path, and I've also veered left, and I veered right, but if you take this tribulation away from me, I, I promise I'll devote myself to the straight path, and even if you don't take the tribulation away, I still will, because you can't make contingent prayer. Right. Oh God, if you give me a Ferrari, I'll be righteous. Like, No. <laughs> You know, give me the Friday please but if if not that's <laughs> still that's and so well, interestingly enough thinking back I was saying the had in English yeah. like wow. you, know, you know that's so right, awesome, what's that's the right. Like, uh-huh. and I was interesting enough I know the room that I was in the apartment complex wow. and I was praying towards Mecca on my knees even though I didn't know wow. and so I was in this you know I was in a space where we, I was with a group young group of brothers that I grew up with and we were exposed to all these traditions different races classes backgrounds reading a lot of leftist uh material but also spirituality we had a whole library we all kind of lived together in this place you know um we were like selling music and marijuana to pay the rent like we were kind of like these very rebel against society and, and like Th- you know there's a lot of good but we were also intoxicated most of the time mm-hmm. and we were having like w- it was just a lot of imbalance There's good but yeah, yeah. it was all mixed in and so i kind of came to this breaking point where i was like i need to really dedicate myself to 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 the creator of existence you know right. and um you know basically through that like i didn't even know that was islam at the. Yeah, yeah, but a few things came
1: into my life, and I saw that it was, you know, so, so like it's interesting. I think at the outset you identified those two streams, right? Mm -hmm. You have like the hip hop black Muslim stream of Islam in America, and then this. um, I I think we haven't really delved into it a lot in the show, but probably like you said, countercultural, counterculture, leftist, white. Mysticism, right? Sufi orientation, but maybe what's maybe if we were to look at, say, the lowest common denominator between the two of them, or or identifying trait, is that it's spirituality or uh, motifs or aspects of the of the religion without doctrine. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, what spoke to me about Rumi, for instance, was
2: his emphasis on the, like, experiential knowledge of God. Okay. Your personal, You know what I mean? Like, Right, right. Um, and I think a lot of people that embrace Islam, that's one thing that's drawn to them. There's, like, this emphasis on no intermediary bef- between you and God. That's right. You know right. what I mean? Um And I think, in a certain sense, it's like, one time I was in the UK, and I was with uh, Sheikh Abdul Hakim rad First time I met him, and I said, um, He asked me how I became Muslim, and I said, well, you know, it's funny, I never thought I'd be part of an organized religion. And he said, well, it's not that organized. (laughs) (laughs) And like, of course, it was this dry British humor, but I felt there was two levels to it, because on the first level, yes, unfortunately, we're kind of disorganized, we've some work to do, but also, when Western people think organized religion and what that means in the history of Europe, it means there's this church authority, this temporal Hierarchy saying that we represent the word of God right. and who's in and who's out, and that's right. what the West rejects ultimately, and right. that's mm-hmm. this whole thing. And Islam wasn't like that; And right. never was. Right. You know, the ulama were never a priestly class. Mm-hmm. You know, they, in some manifestations, you could say they became like that in certain ways, but that's right. in the in the true sense of the word, the ulama, or really the knowers, mm-hmm. the learned ones, they're just individual. Seekers that took the path seriously enough to delve into it and to master the tradition and to preserve it, and it became this 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 vast conversation of 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 you know what is best, what is the divine want, what is the true prophetic inheritance. Yeah. And there's very few things where there's only one
3: answer.
1: Right. You know, there's right.
2: this this vastness,
1: and so plurality.
2: Of- and even locally, there were different. You know different authority authorities in different localities and it was very wide yeah and so i think um that's something that mashallah um is is beautiful about
3: yeah. islam right? right
2: i mean the the people always say why can't you excommunicate uh, bin laden right yeah. like but so that's like the negative side is you can't excommunicate anyone right. but that's like a small you know that's the the benefit far outweighs that it's that it's vast so the
1: benefits of a decentralized Mm -hmm. approach right to orthodoxy because because my point
2: is uh, what i really truly believe is like temporal power mixed with religion is always a very dangerous thing and Mm. you see it happening all over the muslim world right now yeah is the way that scholars are being used by different nation states to fulfill their agenda and it's causing the People in many of these nation states to lose hope in religion and lose hope in scholarship altogether, and you right. saw the way it played out in the Arab Spring. Yep. And yeah. there's no way to avoid it because the the draw of the kind of worldly thing is is very strong, and you know power corrupts, mm-hmm. and so it needs to be. And, and the kind of the scholarship the, the religious authority, if per se, and the the temporal authority split very early. In the Islamic tradition. Certainly. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: Right, right. So, at like the ulema the as being sort of in conscious opposition to the state, mm-hmm. as opposed to being part of the state apparatus. Mm-hmm. Although, you, you certainly did have those elements as well, but by and large, right. it was in conscious opposition to the state. Right or to keep the state in check right or right. to counsel them yeah or to counsel them right right, right. that's right. the other option but it's never to you know be sort of usurped yeah. or yeah to right. know, be used by state authority and of course in practice that what you know <laughs> that you know really yeah. know the world is the world but that's, right. that's the ideal right mm-hmm. so when do you sort of consider then your like like is there a moment that you would classify as okay that's when I took my shahada yeah there? i took my shahada when i was 20 years old mm-hmm. And,
0: um... And this was when? What what year? Yeah. Uh,
2: 2005. Is that right? Okay. So, okay. So, like, I was... My late teens, right? So, like, I was in high school. 9-11 happened. And then after I graduated, then I'm making music. And it's very, like, leftist political music. Okay. And, uh... Essentially, um... We were performing at like anti-war rallies, right? Two thousand three, the Iraq War is yeah, going on, right. and
1: and very active in that sense. That's right, you know. So um, and like hip hop and everything, and reading Rumi and Malcolm at the same time is still in your streams. I was so far outside of the box, like it, you yeah. know. Oh, so yeah. so you're so it's
0: two so two thousand five. You take the Shahada, but even before then, you've been moving in that direction. You said in two thousand three, you were uh, uh, involved in activism as it pertains to the Iraq war.
2: Yeah. So yeah, when I graduated high school, um, my parents, well, basically we, I'd been making music. So I'd been performing with a group of friends that I grew up with and we kind of were like well known around Seattle, Mm. you know? And, um, it was like, Mostly Even, hip-hop? Or, yeah, it's all, it was oh, hip-hop. It was all, okay. And, you know, it was, like, kind of politically leftist, but it was also, like, spiritual. Like, you could see a lot of it was, like, seeking truth and meaning, what's life about and this and that. You know, just that you know, kid trying to figure it out. Right. And, um, but after I graduated high school, I didn't want to go to college. Like, I had no interest. I was so, like... I mean, Islam, like, brought me more into society. Like, I was, like, so ready to grow my hair out and live in the woods and grow ganja. Like, I was like, Babylon system. You know what I mean? And, like, we were all on that so hard. Yeah. And so, um, like, basically what happened is uh, I went to the Rocky Mountains. There's a Buddhist school that was actually founded by uh, Trumpa, who was a Tibetan... Buddhists that came here, Mm -hmm. and then with a group of beat poets and people in those circles, they founded this school, Uh, and so I went and studied there for a while, because I was, not that I ever, like, became Buddhist Buddhist. in the sense, I wasn't interested in, like, becoming something for identity's sake, I was interested in, like, you know, drawing, like, fulfilling true human potential, like, we came here to know our true nature, so that's what I was interested in, so I went there for six months, and then the group that I was with, our album had dropped. And so around like the Northwest, we were getting all these gigs. So I was like, I dropped out and went back to like do music. So, and we were just like, uh, performing all around, you know, the city and it was growing and it was beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, this is, that's kind of how it happened. So it was like a a really interesting time for me You know mm. what I mean There were so many inf- influences And and that's why you see Like I was deeply spiritual, spiritually yeah. um, driven right. But also had this leftist thing So like You know Like uh, the the kind of Buddhist that, Buddhism That I was ex- exposed to A lot of it was kind of like Middle class white But then like the Islam Looking back now I didn't think of it at yeah, the time yeah, yeah. But true. the fact that it had the edge And it was street And it was urban And mm. it was like Really like multi-ethnic and, and all these things. But it also has this depth this the spiritual universe. Right. Um, and like the straw that broke the camel's back was... Um, uh, I read um, a work on Ibn Arabi. Mm. And then I was like, what? Islam has this deep like phys- f- philosophical metaphysics? Because mm, yeah. like, I was a bit arrogant about organized religion. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. saw like... Huh. You see what I'm saying? Right. Because that's the thing that I think is really important... For people to understand now Is like In traditional societies You saw the fruit of Of religion Yeah You saw the Hujjits and Islam Right like Imam yeah. The proofs, the of, the proofs Islam. of Islam Because Islam. you saw Illuminated people You saw transformed You saw saints and sages People that Their presence Made you shake mm-hmm. And Modern people Don't believe in that anymore Yeah And maybe at, at, at most They say Once upon a time There was people like that You see what I'm saying mm-hmm. But I knew You know I was reading about people like that you know and, and so but I never met anyone like that either and um, my point here is that like when you look at the exterior of religion you know western people they're looking for the, the you know tr- experiential knowledge they want to be transformed they yes. want to, to this is my experience yeah. they want to transcend the 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 ego identity yeah. right, right. once you like kind of accept that that, yeah. that that this is a possibility and this is kind of at the essence of the mystical traditions of every religion yeah then it's like okay you know so kind of you could say right reading ibn arabi that's kind of like haqika right this is like the end goal of the path of have sharia yeah the outward and tariqa the inward and then haqika is the what it what it all leads to these Correct. esoteric realities um but because I'd never exper- like been in the presence of someone who realized the absolute reality like that, like the truths, mm-hmm. you know, I needed to understand where it led to dedicate mm. myself to the first stages. Mm. Like once I saw, okay, this is the point. Mm-hmm. Now you can show me how to wash myself for prayer. Now mm-hmm. you can show <laughs> me why. There, there should be a structure, why you should step into a room with your right foot and, and out of room with your left foot. And all these minutiae, because I understood, oh, it's to stay in constant remembrance so that you can eventually can awaken, awaken more from the dream, right? Like inception, a dream within a dream within a dream. So you yeah. wake up out of that one, out of that one, and then boom. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? That's right. I got it. Like, I could submit to the discipline because I understand there was a goal. Yeah. And I think most people, even Muslims, unfortunately, nowadays...
1: They don't really see Islam as like there's a goal.
2: It's just that's an right. identity. It's that's because so yeah, true. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And that's what we've lost.
1: Right. You know, because for most of us who grew, who are born into the faith and grow up into the in, into faith, it's 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 the it's the exact opposite, right? right. We yeah. are introduced to Sharia, as it were, the doctrinal aspects of the faith, the minutia, as it were, uh, yeah, without absolutely. really seeing the end. Absolutely. Yeah yeah. 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 Right.
2: And I many mean, yeah. times it's just like parents or teachers or That's whatever right. saying, "Do this. Don't ask why." Right. So well, of if course. you want, this would so very doctrinal right? And you're yeah. not getting because, like, even if you, well, why do we pray? Yeah. You know, sometimes people are like, "How dare you ask that?" Yeah, yeah. You know. Of what I mean? course. And unfortunately, that kind of stifles that right. spirit that wants to know
1: yeah. that that is. And curious. I think what you're touching on, and, and you know, we talked about this even with like the episode with Azhar, right? Which is like, if, if I think if Islam is going to grow and continue to grow. It, it, you know, and and be, uh, what's the word? Not palatable, but you know, Mm -hmm. absorbed by Western audiences. It has to speak to that of people who are searching for the truth, but they want to see kind of where is this all leading? Like I get the minutia, but why? And, you know what I mean? Like, cause, look, sure. I don't want to sign up to organize religion just for the sake of identity politics. For
2: well, example, well, it's too—it's confusing, that Because if you go to world religions class at any mm-hmm. good yeah. university, oh, yeah. you see beauty and truth in all these different oh, religions, absolutely. and you see that you know, especially if you start to read the mystical literature, you're saying essentially they're all realizing the same thing. This, you know, this oneness, this ego death, where you're experiencing that, right. that we're all one ultimately, and that the source of being is one, and yeah. we're, you know what I mean. So, like. It gets, it can get really confusing because if you're, if you're, you know, just like, well, ha, what, what's going on? Like, what mm. the plurality? We're in the point is yeah. in a traditional society, you were just everyone was what you were, and then yeah, there was people right. that were righteous, not so righteous, yeah. good, not so good, right. you know. But Darkly now,
1: homogenous
2: societies where now, yeah. like your neighbors a Sikh and your neighbors a Hindu and your neighbors a Christian and a Mormon, yeah. and, and um, it's confusing. Yeah. Young mm-hmm. people growing up because it's just like. And so, a lot of people just opt out and say, oh, it's just all the same yeah. or
1: whatever. Um, so then for you, what was it? What was that salient feature then that said, you know, if it came down to, okay, I've got option A here, and I and I, and I don't mean to yeah. characterize yeah, sure, it like so. this. Buddhism, and you've got option B, Islam. Yeah, when I study the the mystical elements of it, you know, a lot of it seems the same. But what was that sort of salient yeah. feature that said, you know what, Islam...
2: That's a really great question. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was like... Um, on, on one hand, yeah. it was that Islam affirms all that came before. Islam is very universal. I mean, the Quran itself is the, is the scripture that speaks about other traditions more than
1: any other scripture in, human, in, in world religion history, right? So, right. And it affirms them. Correct. It's one saying, of the names of the Qur'an and the Prophet, I believe, is Musaddiq. Mm. Right? That which affirms... Right. And so every nation right. was sent a Prophet. Yeah. They
2: all came with the same message. Mm-hmm. Yes, the outward form of that message may have been a little bit different. The Sharia may have been different yeah. in different times, That's but right. the message was always, La ilaha illallah, there is no one but the one. Putting and, a name on
1: it, the was the same, but, right. the, but the Creed the same. And because
2: I came, uh, you know... Uh, I never once, for one second of my life, disbelieved in God,
1: mm.
3: and
2: I never, f- for one moment in my life, disbelieved in the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, because I was like, coming, okay, he was one of the enlightened masters too. Right? Right. You know what Man. I mean? Like that's where I was coming yeah. from. Like it was, of and I was clear to me, you know, that Jesus, I love Jesus, and it was clear to me that like I didn't really love like resonate with how I felt he was represented by mm-hmm. the Christians that I knew. I didn't feel like they were embodying that, but I was like, but clearly he was onto something, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
0: <laughs> you know, it, it strikes me how, you know, when we look at the moments of our existence that bring us to the right now, mm-hmm. your father saying, I don't want them to be pointed in one direction, nor do I want them to be, Told dissuade, yeah. to, to be to be dissuaded yeah. yeah and how that brought you to the point where you could say I love Jesus and I love yeah. you
2: yeah I respect my dad a lot as I get older yeah. you know like that he um, you know and it's it's deep you know yeah. and I think about that
0: and he couldn't have known he couldn't I mean, have known you know
2: and he's always supported me by the way in becoming Muslim and all that stuff That's, and he's like you know he's like really cool with it and so it's like
3: yeah
2: um, but So, back to your point, um, so I had on my podcast recently um, Philip Goldberg, I believe is his name, and he wrote a book called American Veda. And in there, he's talking about the influence of Indian spirituality on the West. It's a great book. If you're interested, which I know we all are, on (laughs) an Eastern religion coming West, what works, what doesn't work, what becomes successful, what takes off, what. You know what is emphasized, what's de-emphasized, because right. it's really good history. But the thing about it that I really love about that book is he has a lot of really deep kind of reflection. So he says he has he says look, religions fulfill these five functions, and he gives them the prefix trans. So it's like translation, transmission, transaction. Mm-hmm. Those are the exoteric, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's transformation and transcendence.
3: transcendence. Okay, uh-huh.
2: so the outward three, right? Translation—it gives you a meaning, how to understand. Transaction, right? The the sacred law, right? right? And transmission—all the traditions, what to memorize, all this stuff. That's that's very important, and, and then the inward right, mm-hmm. transformation, right? Of course there's just the moral transformation yeah, yeah, becomes but then there's also the kind of spiritual transformation, oh, yeah. you right. know, the caterpillar to a butterfly and then yeah, cool. transcendence, this idea of expanding the boundaries of ego identity or dissolving them all together and, right. and experiencing the, the oneness that is this whole affair. And yeah. it's like, you know, th- here's the thing that, that and I've talked with, um, uh, other people about this, I was visiting Vinnie Ferraro, who I know has spoken here, a beautiful brother, and we used to live, we're neighbors on the same street in Oakland, but he's, for those that don't know, he's a, you know, prominent Buddhist teacher in the West, and he mentioned to me that, think about this, right, Buddhism is so popular in the West, so many people Mm. became Buddhists, right, I mean, uh, Buddhist centers everywhere, right, famous people, all type of people, right? there is literally zero interaction next to zero interaction between the Buddhists that came the Asian Buddhists yeah. and the convert Buddhist community they're oh. totally separate right? the Asian Buddhist community they have like temples and then the, the convert right they created they created these meditation centers there's right. literally no overlap mm. wow and, and and I thought about this deeply because the, the reason why is because there's different needs for different communities. So if you come from a foreign country and you want to preserve your traditions, your stories, your norms, your your culture, your customs, that's totally understandable. Yeah. You know, I hate McDonald's. I would never eat McDonald's. The only time I ever kind of like, oh, McDonald's is when I'm in a foreign country <laughs> yeah. in the Arab world. And I see McDonald's, I'm like, I'm <laughs> home. Right? Yeah, that, it's yeah. like, I'm the most anti-McDonald's person, but when I'm there, it's like, oh, yeah. oh it reminds me, you see what I'm saying? Yep. There's something about, you just want to Familiarity. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. And so, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. But those that are the Westerners that are turning east yeah. for spirituality. They they're rejecting the dogma. They're rejecting the the church structure of Judeo Christianity because it's not fulfilling transcendence and transformation. Not because it's not fulfilling the other three, Yeah, You see what All I'm right. saying? Gotcha. And so you can't yeah. serve them by giving them, oh we'll just substitute those for those. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. And so this is what's see. And and, that's a lesson, and yeah, with, lesson within Islam, easy. um you know there's a whole bunch of, like, vibed out Sufis in the Bay Area that have no relation to the the yeah. Muslim community, community, children of immigrant you yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah. that whole thing. There's no interaction. Yeah. And they're just like... Like, I went to the retreat with Kabir Haminsky uh, and, the, and the Threshold Society. It's really beautiful. You have people that have been Muslims for 40 years. Yeah. And they're just... You would ne- walking down the street, oh, Trader yeah. Joe's. You never yeah. see him, Just your average right. gray-haired white man or That's woman, right. and they're just like they love Allah and they pray five times a day and they're doing oh, it. I you know what it. I mean? Yeah. And but they, their emphasis is different than if you go to That's a right. mosque. They wouldn't feel comfortable because the emphasis is different. Yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah and
1: probably. so, because I mean, so I mean, you you mentioned Kabir Halminsky's community. So you know, prior to where where is he now? He's in. Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. He used to be in Santa Cruz. Yep. So I visited the community in Santa Cruz, and I know exactly, I mean, I'm literally picturing people I met, like you said, he bumping them in the supermarket, wouldn't dream, fathom that they were Muslim, but yeah. deeply committed Muslims. Exactly. And that's a very unique and fascinating community. Right. And so you have
2: that, yeah. right? That's the Rumi. And you yeah. have the the black Muslim communities right. all over America that, you know, in many ways are totally Separate. Also, awesome. yeah. they're in their. And it was interesting because you know I was like with these like vibed out OG white you know Sufi Muslims for this retreat, and then after that I went and visited some like elders in the Black Muslim community wow. like the next day, and it was interesting because it was like this is the same thing even though it's very different. Okay. right and they're all kind of like love Allah and they're mispronouncing their own arabic names on both <laughs> sides you know what i mean and they're just like so they have their unique yeah. thing but it, yeah. it fits in there it has to be that way right. for their cultural context right. right right and so like someone who comes from a muslim heritage and comes to this country they may look at that and be like this is weird like mm-hmm. it's not familiar right mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. and so but of course you know uh now, what we're having is with the younger generation, we're having this, like we say, cross-pollinization yeah. where you're having people from all these different yeah. backgrounds and really envisioning, okay, what does it mean and what is it going to look like Right. Here?
1: And we're also beginning to see, I mean, because I, I know also recently, based, just based on social media, but mm-hmm. you also recently spent time with Dr. Homer, past mm-hmm. guest of the show. You have also the emergence of people like Dr. Omar Sheikh Hamza right here in the Bay Area, but Dr. Omar, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned T.J. Winter, mm-hmm. but you know Dr. Abdul you know, Abdul Hakim Murad in, in UK, mm-hmm. but who kind of they embody and they are straddling both sides. Right, they're Sherman Jackson, Sherman Jackson, all these people, right, right, exactly, and
2: yeah. they're yeah, and they are fully at home in multiple of these kind of That's worlds right. that we're talking That's about, <laughs> you
1: know. And so then, for the young seeker, I mean, to have people like that, where maybe twenty years ago they weren't there, certainly forty years ago they weren't there, that's got to that's going to spell a new uh, point to a new kind of a tra- 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 trajectory it's within the, the the American Muslim community. And I
2: think it speaks to yeah. the fact that like we have to be honest about like you know there's different demographics. Some people, yeah. right, and it's totally fine. Like they what they really want is they want. A place where they can have the emphasis on the transaction mm-hmm. transmission uh, uh, and these like outward aspects of Trisha, and some people like the only thing that 's going to draw them mm. is is the transformation of the transaction that 's it and so we need to have different people in different centers that speak to these different things like like some people might look oh it's a shame that like the Buddhists that came from Asia their centers are separate from these kind of like the American centers but that's, it's not It's okay You know it's what I mean okay. And even in traditionally Muslim lands You had different centers And different For different demographics You, absolutely. Know, you had the
1: Zawi yeah. Or you had the Hanukkah Or a- the tekke Or the madrasa and You're that- absolutely right I mean the same people Who would argue that Would be the same people Who would say that the mosque Has to be the center Of all communal life right. For Muslims And that's just not That hasn't been the case Traditionally Historically Why should that be the case Here in America Right You know <laughs> So, yeah, certainly. And, and, I mean, here we are we and we're recording at Tet Leaf. You yeah. know, kind of that, you know, kind of straddling all of that as well. Um, and, you know, and, and you mentioned cross-pollination, and I don't want to just tease the audience, but, I mean, what, what also makes kind of this episode unique is that, you know, having Barak on, sh- on the show, um, you do your own podcast. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about that because, I mean, I, I, as someone who got turned on to it and started listening, um, you know, uh, I, 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 it's been a great show to listen to. So, why don't you maybe... Say a little bit about that, and we can come back to some of the other things yeah. we've been talking about. How did about. you? How did you come up with the idea? We already he said was he there. was inspired by us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you uh, <laughs> we <were laughs> want to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you were. Can't get to- too much of a good thing, <laughs> oh, yeah. right? Sorry, no, yeah, yeah. So it's called Path and Present. Path and Present. Yeah, check yeah. it out, guys. Yeah, yeah,
2: and well, you know the idea is really like, um, I because I'm a poet, musician, and stuff. I travel all over the world and I felt like I was having these amazing conversations with different people teachers, academics scholars, artists poets, comedians activists and I would always be like man I wish I could share this Mm -hmm. this conversation with people back home because you know when I would turn on the TV or even on the internet feed Mm -hmm. I would see like a lot of negative and like I was like this doesn't represent anything that I know to be Islam (laughs) and again like I wasn't just, the for me, path and present is more generally about spirituality and seeking truth and meaning in the present, in the modern world. Right. But because of my own path and my own practice, it's going to, like, emphasize Islam, and particularly, like, the Sufi perspective within Islam. Right. And so, but I want to have teachers from different traditions, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested in, like, you know, like, like, people, like... Buddhist teachers and 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 teachers from India, gurus and like what they're doing, yeah. and in the Christian tradition and Jewish mysticism and all these type of things. Yeah. And and then not just that, but like artists and stuff like that. So really, it's just like I want to amplify the goodness, and I feel like now with these mediums where all you need is a little mic and a little laptop, and you can have a conversation in a room, and the entire universe can plug in you know and
0: it's extraordinary
2: it's really a trip and what i like about because i started listening to some podcasts and what i really liked about it is the ones that i would listen to were just super like raw long form conversations not edited like there wasn't even like uh, a script it was just like Human beings having real conversations, and there happens to be a microphone.
3: Right.
2: And like you, in the news, where it's so ridiculous, you know, you watch the news and they're like, have like three people, and they're like, we're going to talk about a very serious issue that yeah. people have been fighting over for centuries. Now you yeah. have three seconds to talk about, now you have three seconds, and you have three <laughs> seconds. Go. It's like, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. Like, things are complex. And, you know, in our kind of like, um, sound world. Somebody says one thing, and you, it's amplified, and it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. Because I feel like with social media, you know, a lot of the arguments and debates and mm. oh my god, and outrage. <laughs> it's like if those people were to sit in a room and actually talk it out yeah. for an hour, um, they'd probably find they don't really disagree all that that's much. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's but right. the the medium, you know, it. it, it it makes it so people are talking past each other. Yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to, to preserve that. And also like one of the kind of, I, I haven't really like my own personal intentions with it are to preserve some of the stories of the elders,
1: Correct. Oh, you know,
2: like there's That's us too. Like, I mean, in like, so many
1: ways you're describing you like our, what the intentionality behind our show.
2: Like tonight at Talif, yeah. you know, there's a, yeah, there's an event honoring Daniel Abdelheim Moore, mm-hmm. who's one of my mentors in my new book of poetry is dedicated to him and he was from oakland california a prominent beat poet you know friends with Allen ginsburg and that whole yeah. world but younger the younger generation he was published by city lights major publisher of, of beat oh, poetry when yeah. oh, yeah. he was 20 years old or something like oh. that and then he was had the floating lotus magic opera house in berkeley very avant-garde theater playwright all this stuff and then you know uh Abdul Qadir sufi came as mm-hmm. a deputy of one of the great Moroccan saints, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ibn al-Habib, who we re- read his poems that's here right, all that's the time right. at, at He came and, and kind of like exposed them to Islam. And then they went to North Africa and met this like, right, Hujat al-Islam, this illuminous being, one of the greatest saints of the 20th century in North Africa, and just were totally transformed. And then, so he's like fully in this, in this beat, Poet tradition but also fully in the Islamic literature tradition And you know in some ways He was just ahead of his time Mm -hmm. People couldn't really appreciate what he was doing and you know, I see him as like a predecessor because it's like now I'm able to essentially I'm doing what he's doing like in, in the next generation is that's like right, you are combining these things and now people are ready for it so I'm able to go all over the world and people love it and see what and appreciate mm. it but you know he was like more slept on in his life people didn't get it they were yeah. like it's what, what so that's right you know and he passed away a year ago yeah well, i have mercy on him so we're having an event here and his, his wife is going to be here and all the old kind of uh you know people from that community. Yeah. So these people are passing into the yeah, next realm. They are. And and they they are part they are selef They are. They are sened, and we need, you know, there's su- such beauty in like we talk about the the different traditions in America, counterculture and, the, and the, these different traditions, you know, from the Walt Whitman's to Ralph Waldo Emerson's to the, you know, the Black Elk to, you know, uh Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, like, we need to understand, like, we have a a lineage, like, we need to honor the great lineage of America. And there's also, you know, there's always been the freaking Donald Trumps and the, you know, those type of people who are the on the dark side, or, you know, at least serving the dark (laughs) side. On the orange side. (laughs) Right, on the orange side. (laughs) But that's that's just life. So we need, you know, and I think (laughs) what's beautiful about, you know, like, the black Muslims in general, obviously, is that they, because of the nature of white supremacy, the, the, the great black heroes throughout history, almost all of them were kind of like freedom fighters by necessity just to exist, yeah. right? Yeah. So they don't... So, like, the black Muslim heroes, a lot of them aren't Muslim. It doesn't matter. They're still, like, righteous people that stood for truth, right? Like, yeah. Frederick Douglass's and, yeah. the, and, the, and the Rosa Parkses and the... You know, you... you Martin know this, Luther King. Yeah. Martin Luther King and the Mar- Marcus Garvey's oh, and, yeah. the, and the Huey P. Newtons and all this, Right? and so they're like fully at home and claiming these heroes as Muslims and Mm. then of course you have Muhammad Ali Malcolm X you have a whole list of other people lesser known right right? but outside of that right um, I think as Muslims we need to embrace and study and really understand like who was Ralph Waldo Emerson right he was called the America's philosopher Mm -hmm. and he was reading Hafiz and Sa'adi and he was really influenced and he was like you know this he w- and and he was an amazing thinker and you know a lot of these the transcendentalists they were also in a time like 200 years ago and they were writing against slavery and stuff like that there's these are heroes yeah. and they're you know they should be our heroes as well exactly. and we're in that lineage so we're these barzakh beings we're in between the liminal wow. space yeah. and we have to like you know that's what I, we get from the people like Dr. Omar and Sherman Jackson those people that are consciously thinking about these type of topics Is like exactly. we have to be intentional in like what, what, is, what is our heritage and what do we stand for and,
1: right. Uh, right. and what lineage are we in that's right I mean certainly you've identified the macro but I mean in, in the micro sense the limited capacity that we have I and mean, what we try to do is to like, like Bark has been talking about is like preserve their stories yeah. Yeah, and, and to do our, know, the best uh, of our ability like because something. they are passing I mean, you know, of that same g- generation are people like Hakeem Archuleta, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. someone who we've been, we've been trying to get on the show. We will, inshallah. And then, you know, we recently had Dr. Asan Bagby. And there's just these giants. And we stand on the shoulders of giants. And so we have to acknowledge. Well, and, and acknowledge one thing that we've said a few times mm-hmm. is the yeah. idea of...
0: Illuminating this tapestry yeah,
3: the, the, of
0: of American yeah. Muslim of the American Muslim experience and yeah. how far back it goes and how it 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 stretches in all these different directions. You know, I mean, Doctor Bagby, who we just talked to last yeah. week, so it's very fresh in my memory. But I mean, yeah. you know, he he has this very unique experience that's emblematic of what I mean. He he came to Islam in what 69? So, yeah, yeah sixty nine. So I mean, but, what it was like at that moment in time, right? But juncture. also,
1: like to 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 your tapestry point, you know, he talks about converted to Islam as a uh, as a as as a biracial person right exactly we've had Osama on the show Osama Cannon we've had Mustafa Davis on the show and then so we are weaving this tapestry and you know for example you know Ahmed uh, mm-hmm. Barga just mentioned, well, you know, I, I Vinnie. Would,
0: the only thing I would push back, yeah. we're not weaving the tapestry. It's already there. No, it's already there. That's we're right. Just we're just kind
1: of hopefully pointing right. it out to you're, people. You're you know? right. But you mentioned Vinny Ferraro. It's like we've had Mike on the show, Mike Anderson. Mm-hmm. We've had Osama on the show. It's just like, so we, we've almost, without even name-dropping Vinny, talked about people who've inspired, who've been inspired by him. And so it's just this beautiful... I mean, yeah, like you said, we're just trying doing our doing our best to to just highlight these these, these people. Yeah, it's a beautiful meeting, man. It's a beautiful, it and, is. and yeah.
2: we, you know, to talk back at the beginning, we talked yes. about griots, right? I mean, like, yeah. um, and I listened to um, I listened to both podcasts with Azhar Usman of yours. I really liked it. The first one, he just like went, yes. he went deep. <laughs> he was like the Melakut, the Jabiru, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Was Like I was like, Wassalam. Shout <laughs> out to Azhar. And it's like, you know, um, but he said something in the most recent one that yeah. I really liked and it really hit me. He said uh, something about comedians in American society being the new theologians or philosophers. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, because I've always said, I've always thought about this as like, I said artists in general, more generally, but yeah. comedians, and that's an amazing art form. Right. Because first of all, okay, spoken word poet, is just you and a mic in the crowd. Same as a comedian. Yeah. But like, if you do a poet, people can make art. I don't like that. Okay, whatever. And that's fine. It's gonna You to get on with your show. But if you tell a joke and it bombs, yeah, right. Like there's no medium. There's no like middle. It's just, you lost. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's true. But anyway, like I see like the artists in general, yeah. because, okay, we talk about most Americans. They've never met like an enlightened master. They may not even believe in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Secular society. So who fulfills that role? Yeah. And the last kind of people
3: mm-hmm.
2: who are seen as kind of magical, mystical or the ability to bring something amazing from the unseen and be the vessel of, of some creative power mm-hmm. are the artists. Are the That's right, right. And see how artists are worshipped in our society. That's so true. Right? Musicians and people yeah. and I think it's it's there that they, you know and often um this is a problem because it's like, look, um it's like if, if true artists know that anything good or beautiful that comes to them it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you start to believe b- believe your own hype, right, then you can kind of be destroyed by it. And a lot of artists meet very difficult ends. I think sure. it's too much because to bear because, because they're being like, you're this great saint. And it's like, well... May- maybe I am and you start oh, to believe I mean, it and right. with
1: right. Elvis Presley contested I mean dealt with that near the end of his mm-hmm. life if you believe he, he died or whatever right walking around Memphis somewhere But was out and, with
2: Tupac that's right. and the
1: there you go they're cutting new record but the the, the the lure of the audience you know and yeah. not having that anymore near the end of his life was something he really grappled with but, but trip out yeah, because yeah. I was
2: talking to brother Ali shout out to brother Ali oh, absolutely. and he mentioned he went to the Kanye West um, show and this wow. was right before Kanye kind of went wall and like on stage and kind of like right right and 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 ali said something amazing he said yo it was the weirdest show because it was so between artistic genius and like straight idolatry and ego Mm. worship because like the show first of all like you know like everyone's on the ground like you know it's full and there's there's a um a stage elevated above (laughs) And like there's all these speakers on the ground It's like reverberating the whole crowd Mm -hmm. Right And like this is like It reverberates and then it stops For like two hours Just building people up Like when's he gonna come When's he gonna come Right And so it's just like Oh this is before he's even out Before he even So then he comes And he's suspended above them On a stage that moves So he's just out of arm's reach, and they're all reaching for him. And he doesn't interact with the crowd at all. He doesn't acknowledge that they're there. He just performs a song. And the stage, like, turns at angles, and he's harnessed to the stage, so he's, like, hanging off. Yeah. And he said it was, like, so avant-garde, like, artistically brilliant, but it was so nefsy. It was so, like, I am the deity, right? And, like, Yeezy and, like, this whole idea. Yeezus. Yeezys, yeah. yeah. But, and, and, you know, he was like, but... and, you know, and then he hit me when we were talking. I said, like, "You know, remind me of this line that Rumi has." Mm-hmm. He said, Bayezid um, Bistami and and the Pharaoh Pharaoh." Mm-hmm. Okay, Pharaoh said, "You know, Ana like I am your Rub, I am your Lord, That's Most right. High, right. right? Which is and and this was his ultimately his fall from grace yeah, because yeah. he associated himself with the the divine, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know People like Halaj And Bayezid Bistami They said things like I, Ana al-haq, yeah. I am the ultimate reality mm-hmm. so They were saying The same thing outwardly But Rumi says something Interesting Yeah He says um, But when When Pharaoh said it he was calling. He was saying it from himself, mm. and and when when Halaj and Bayazid said it, they were saying it from the absence of self. Right. They were, mm. and so this yeah. is the wow. difference. They weren't calling to themselves. It's to themselves, where you see that's where it gets dark. When you're calling to yourself, mm. but when you're just a vessel that is calling to something beyond yourself, i.e., the divine, then then that's true artistry. Mm. You know, because then it's like you know and if people praise you you don't see yourself if people say you're amazing you don't see it as you you say this is a gift because true artists know like you can't write your greatest poem or your greatest joke or your greatest song or your greatest novel whenever you want
3: right. and that's
2: why people you know people that believe their own hype they get cr- they have that first hit and then they like oh my god how am I going to come up with another one right it becomes too much you see what I'm saying pressure yeah. because they think it's from them they think it's from them but you know I think and that's why, um, you know, just to wrap, kind of the point that I think is also important is like the spiritual passion unleash creativity. I mean, look what when Islam went to the yeah. lands, it made these great poets in every language right. immediately. Right. Like, what is that?
3: Right.
2: And, and now, not, not a lot of people, Muslims and non Muslims, don't associate Islam with creativity, that's actually. Right. And, and, right. and so then I guess we have to ask, like, are we really practicing the tradition properly? Because it should be unleashing
0: creativity,
1: unleashing, as, as yeah. opposed
0: to
2: stifling.
1: As Dr. Jackson likes to put it, like unleash our creative genius. Mm. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So we want to have you read a selection from your book, but actually, before you do that, I we received a letter. Oh. At, our, at our email address, diffusecongruence.gmail.com. And I wanted to share it kind of with the panel here because I think this is somebody who's asking some questions that could benefit from both of you. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is from Chad, and he says, uh, Zucky already knows me as Chad on Facebook, but I wanted to address both of you in no small part because I've listened to quite a few of your episodes, especially the ones involving converts coming from a Christian cultural background. So this isn't something I've been open about on social media, but maybe it won't be much of a surprise to Zeki if he's paid attention to the people I know on Facebook, but I've been interested in Islam as a path for myself for several years now, to the point you might say I, quote, semi-converted for a while, by which I mean I would attend the prayers regularly and read the Quran in English, though. Mm. But I recently had to move from a diverse college town to a pretty conservative and uncosmopolitan area. There is an Islamic community in the area, and I will try to reach out to them, but part of my struggle is being a pretty socially progressive person, and frankly it's been a bit difficult feeling comfortable with Islamic communities outside digital space because of it, even though I see no contradiction between my understanding of Islam and my political and social values. But beyond Islam, feeling comfortable with religious communities in general has always been a serious issue with me. Anyway, my point finally is I was wondering if you all could point me toward any resources for someone in my situation. Writings, blogs, folks you've interviewed in the past for me to contact, whatever, etc. It's been hard to get past my second guessing and fear that I'm just going through some delayed white kid rebellion. But I will say, the beauty of the act of worship has drawn me in, and the simplicity of Islam itself appeals to me in a way the excluding and convoluted metaphysics of Christianity never really did. Thank you, and I hope this wasn't too awkward. Chad.
2: So.
0: Wow.
1: Well, what's up, Chad? That was dope, man. Thank you, brother. Any thoughts? No, no, I uh, want to <laughs> defer to you. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. You
1: know, um,
2: i thought about this, it's like, Islam is two things I mean one is it's it's your individual soul's relationship with your creator and at the end of the day we all stand in the divine presence on the day of rising and we're held accountable for each breath and each moment and each action and word and deed um, and so it's intensely personal and intimate um, on the other hand so much of the, the deen is, is communal yeah. and we do things together. We're encouraged to pray together. We fast together, right? There's certain things that mm-hmm. Zakat a cat is like you need to be part of it. Hajj, 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 right? Like yeah. all these the basics, and, um, you know, I think in our time, a lot of times community is lost and community is fractured, and there's a whole lot of history about that. But um, we really need to emphasize embodying sacred community, which is really filled with love and really filled with that, that maxim of Rumi, come, come wherever you are, hmm. you know, wanderer, uh, lover of leaving. Even if you've broken your vows a thousand times, right. ours is not I the caravan, caravan of despair. despair. <laughs> and this is the caravan of love and hope. And anyone who is, you know, truly, you know, really walking the path of La ilaha illallah is mm-hmm. a path as a person of, of of positivity and hope because it feels you like this whole affair is is beautiful mm-hmm. and it's it's painful and tragic too. Mm-hmm. But in the end it's beautiful. Like the whole affair is. Mm-hmm. You know and um, but it can also Often be lacking because sometimes you go to your Muslim space and you don't find the come come wherever you are right. That's right. not the but the feeling.
1: It's definitely not the vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, so I feel for you. I yeah. feel you. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. And I'm I'm grateful that I did early on uh, find communities and brotherhood. and and teachers and and elders many of the people you've had on your show you know from from Dr. Omar and people like Usama and Mm -hmm. what he's done with Talif and, and, and you know people in the artist community especially as well um in a time where people like music's haram, bidah, kufr, shirk, all that stuff, and I find all these like young <laughs> Muslim artists and musicians, and I'm like, whoa! Yeah. Like we're in the studio, and I'm used to in the studio, people are like smoking blunts and drinking forty ounces, and they're like in the studio, you know, burning oud and making sujood
1: and I'm like, yes, this is this is what I, yeah,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, wow. there's, so there's an
1: emergence of a cult of a, a culture,
2: exactly, trip. and so um, it's out there and it's yeah. not everywhere, yeah. um, but you know may we be those people may we be connected to those people but uh, inshallah a lot of these podcasts can be you know i've listened to podcasts where you know i just get exposed to different people that are on there and then that's leads down another rabbit hole and I, their their books or their music or their comedy or whatever and i'm like it just takes me on this thing where i just got exposed to a whole new universe of people mm-hmm. and um
1: you know, that's at the best, that's what these tools can be. So that's right, Child. kind of like a virtual community. And, and I mean, I, I would also tell Chad, I mean, well, one, you know, thank you for listening for sure. And, and we hope that the guests that we've been able to bring on the show have been, you know, meaningful in the sense that people that you have listened to and benefited from. Um, I would also, you know, kind of echo what, what Barca just said in terms of, you know, even if you were to live in a place that did have community, let's say by numbers. Who's to say whether that would be a community that would be that prophetic community, which would be a community of love and welcome and and, and come as you are, you know? Um, and so, you know, so we wh- don't where know. Would
0: you, where would you point him?
1: Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, shameless plug. I mean, I, I would say definitely go to <laughs> Tell Talib Collective. Yeah, I would say go to talibcollective.org. Uh, a lot of our, a lot of our communal, like a lot of the things that we do here, uh, whether it's in the Bay Area or in Chicago. We live stream it. We mm-hmm. broadcast it. You can check out the broadcast. You can engage. Um, you know, I, I can facilitate a conversation you can have with Osama Cannon, mm-hmm. founding director, uh, people like Barka and others who, who were able to mm-hmm. bring to... Uh, There's really there the cool retreats here. Yeah, cool uh, retreats. We do, we do an annual newcomers retreat.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we offer all kinds of classes and things like that as well for people, whether you're Muslim or just interested in Islam. So. Yeah. Uh absolutely. Um uh, do reach out and um you can also ping me here at the show and I'd be happy to connect you with awesome. any people I can anybody I can.
0: Well, with that in mind as we do wind towards our conclusion, right. um I was hoping, Barca, that you could uh, share a selection from your writing with the audience.
1: Bismillah. So tell us a little bit about the book if you could. So like this book little, is uh yeah. this is the book that is dedicated to yeah, the late Alahi
2: It's called Empty in the Ocean
1: and it's uh, Empty in the Ocean. And the
2: ocean. Okay. Empty mm-hmm. in the Ocean. Yeah. Mm. And uh it's quite it's uh, just a few months old actually. So um and people can buy this. Yeah, if you go to uh my
1: Facebook, Barker Blue Facebook, you can, you'll find the link there. Great. Um and we'll and we'll put the link up when we when we post the show as well. For sure yeah and if I could also where can people find your fine uh podcast? yes, uh the podcast is called Path and present
2: um and it is on iTunes yes. and it's on Soundcloud. those there you are go. the two places um yes, you should find it there, and I think you may enjoy some of them. I don't know what kind of vibe are you guys going for
0: I'll, you know we'll let you we'll let you steer the ship into port so I think uh,
2: this kind of uh, fits with what we've been talking about today. It's go. called Things That Can't Be Taught. And the, the idea behind this poem is that as you get older, you know, I, I kind of, you kind of probably came through, I was always kind of a rebel. I think I, that's just part of me. So a lot of times when my parents or elders said, don't do this, but I usually did it. Um, and then I usually learned, oh, they were right, I shouldn't have done that. But I had to learn for myself. Right? Don't touch the pot. Oh yeah, it is hot. Yeah, it yeah. is hot. And there's certain things about experiential knowledge. Sometimes right. it's really, it's really beautiful. You know, That's I heard right. one of the elders say who who used to be a you know heroin addict, and he said, um, a a uh, a religious person is somebody who doesn't want to go to hell. A spiritual person is someone who's been to hell and doesn't want to go back. Hmm. <laughs> and you know he was speaking yeah. from someone who's been to hell yeah,
1: that's right that's
2: and that's uh, right. you know this idea of in our tradition especially in the poetry you know the, the mystics always talk about how can you explain honey to one who's never tasted mm-hmm. and it's this idea that if if all of us together tried to explain what honey tasted to someone who had never tasted honey we would never succeed in a million years right right, right? there's certain things that have that's to be true. tasted right. experienced. So, what well, we in this spiritual tradition call lok. That's, that's it that's right Yeah. and uh, that's things that can't be taught. Mm. Things that can't be taught like poetry and rhythm and moon sadness and sun dance on grass leaves do. Gratitude and death. I like what can't be taught but must be learned by anyone serious about living and serious about dying. Things which can't be chalked on boards or scribbled in notebooks. But must be tucked beneath forms Into back behind heart pockets By whoever does that anymore And always has Everything dancing around the center ablaze flames grotesque and sometimes subtle Sometimes too much to gaze upon Sometimes silent Sometimes siren song taunting Taunting the living out of their life Everyone dancing around the subject No one says it Everyone knows that no one knows it No one knows That everyone knows it (laughs) You can't be taught To burn There is a single way to learn The way that's always been only open You can't be taught To smell the ocean you must go yourself to the edge. What can't be taught but must be learned to die well. I live to know what can't be taught. Style and grace to feel, to be silent. Or rather, what silence means. You can't be taught to realize You can't be taught to realize. Compassion can't be taught. You can be taught the motions, but sincerity cannot be bought. By a private education, or through a taxpayer stipended underpaid government employee, what I learned in trap houses and mud huts can't be taught, in masjids and mushrooms can't be taught, what can't be taught to sailors to be amongst the waves. Must be learned in silence Amidst the cold and early graves What can't be taught is wisdom What can't be taught is pain Certainty certainly can't be taught If doubt would still remain I can't be taught to love you I can't be taught to cry And I can't be taught to stay here if I was born to die.
1: <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much. I mean, I think there's any doubt about artists being our new theologians. with yeah. that to rest today. I mean, because you're, yeah, you're just you. You're like you're, you're 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 talking about and grappling with things. I think that even our greatest theologians sort of you know discussed and whether it was the Maturides against the Montesquieu or whatever mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. in terms of how do we know things. Uh, you know the nature of goodness and the nature of evil, and you know these mm-hmm. were things that experience yeah. and consciousness and awareness. Yeah, are. that's right. That's right. So and I would say too, you, um, uh-huh. just in
2: closing, you know Please. that uh, one quote that I really love. St. Nasser said, "Art is the means by which the deepest truths of a religion are articulated to the masses." Yeah,
3: hmm.
2: wow. So because yeah. Th- very few people are going to read high level works of theology or fic or or, 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 or philosophy or metaphysics, mm-hmm. but in a traditional society you know the poems and the song and, the, and the, in some cases the dance and yeah. the architecture and even the clothing and the calligraphy and right. all these things allow us to actually experience yeah. those deep realities yeah. mm-hmm. and um, I think you know we, we really need to emphasize and, and support the arts in that way because you know yeah. we have many great uh, conferences where it's like a hundred speakers and it may be great yeah. But then you have like one entertainer. That's right. Right? But it's like but we, we but what what are we missing about human psychology? Yeah. What what is it about humans that has really moved and transformed and inspired? Right. It's the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So but you guys are doing a great service, right? You guys are amplifying really beautiful conversations, so thank you. Oh, thank you. And, well, myself. Yeah. Thank you. So.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, and hopefully we'll get to have you back on. It's open before, door policy.
3: Yeah, and
1: before we let him go, though, uh, where can people find you online? and, and, and talk about Blue.
3: You?
2: com is my website, okay. and um, that should link you to all my social media, okay. etc.
1: Or if you're visiting a city... Nearby, or something.
2: yeah, yeah, right. and You're, I like, travel quite days. a bit. Yeah. I'm on my way to Southeast Asia I'm in a few days, so. Um, but I travel a lot, so hopefully I'll be in a city near you. Yeah. Nice.
0: Well, and and as far as our show, you can find us at, uh, Diffuse Congruence at gmail.com if you want to email us. And uh, thank you again, Chad, for sending us that message. And with that, on behalf of my co-host Provez Ahmed and our guest Barka Blue, my name is Zachy and This has been Diffuse Congruence. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.